Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. You guys, we're so privileged to be a part of this community. You guys have no idea. I'm blown away by the people that fellowship here in this community at Presence. You guys have no idea, like, who you're sitting next to. You guys have no idea. I'm totally serious. Some of you guys are like, oh, but that's my mom or my sister or my brother. You really have no idea how much love is packed into the person next to you. You have no idea. God's so amazing. He's so perfect. He's so beautiful. He's positioned you perfectly. He knew you'd be here in Orange County for the move of the spirit that's happening in Orange County right now. How many of you guys realize we're in a brand new Jesus movement in Orange County right now? Do you guys realize that? There's something special happening in Orange County. It's not just happening in one church. It's happening in churches all throughout this region. We hear testimonies constantly of people coming home to Jesus, of miracles happening in the streets. I love this summer, there was a group that was going out to the Newport Beach Pier. Some of you are in this room. And over eight Saturday nights saw 400 people give their lives to Jesus. 400. Isn't that incredible? There are outstanding things happening in the earth. So if you're not excited right now, I'm here to pump you full of excitement about what God is doing in the earth. You guys, there is too much good news for you to stand in. We should be overwhelmed by good news every day. And you say, well, Chris, I I didn't wake up overwhelmed by good news this morning. Well, guess what? You get to be overwhelmed by good news here at church at Presence this morning. So I'm honored to share the word with you. I'm honored to preach to you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we got to help plant this church with Jesse and Jessica Skinner. Um, this church started in a home group, which was a bunch of people that just wanted to experience Jesus and his love together, fellowship around his presence, to fellowship his family. And that home group gave greater expression to becoming a Sunday morning church. God blessed us with this building. Do you guys like the nightclub? It's pretty cool, isn't it? That's awesome. It smells funny when you get in here, but it smells better when you leave. Um, some of you know that, that do set up and tear down. Who, who's on the set up and tear down team here? You just raise your hands real quick. I just want to honor you guys. Could you honor these guys? They set up for you. I want to encourage you. you guys, stand up real quick. Set up and tear down team. If you're on the set up or tear down team, stand up. Come on, let's just honor them. This is incredible. I encourage you, connect with these guys. If you're looking for a way to plug in, that is a great way to plug in. I was on the setup and teardown team for a church. I still am, actually, technically, right? We're, we're technically still on the setup and teardown team um, for a church in San Diego that we were a part of and Jessica was a part of. I remember getting there hours early and praying for the services and just seeing God move in those services. And it was interesting because during that setup and teardown time is actually where the Lord began to speak to me about my call to ministry. Now, here's the reality. We're all called to ministry. Why? Because all believers are ministers, and every minister has a ministry. But God began to speak to me about church planting. God began to speak to me about things he was going to show me in the future. God called me to preach his gospel to his children. I I was in a prayer meeting during those times where we would circle up and pray for the service. Don't we have, we have pre-service prayer here, don't we, mom? Do you guys know my mom? This is Eileen. She, uh, she heads up. You should stand just real quick. We can honor my mom. This is awesome. My my mom's awesome. I remember her reading the picture Bible to me when I was just a kid, you know, and just just how the Lord would solidify things. But I remember how we would pray during service, before service. And I remember being in one of the prayer meetings one time before service, and we're just, you know, having one of those normal prayer meetings where you yell at the devil. Anybody ever been to one of those? And it was awesome because God actually came to our devil meeting. 
you know, we're sitting there yelling at the devil, we bind you, Satan, we break you off the service. Devil, you care so much about our service, we break your power off of our service. You know, we would do that kind of thing for about 20 or 30 minutes. And all of a sudden, I heard an external audible voice, the voice of God, my father. I heard a voice come from about six to eight feet over the right side of my head, and I heard the voice say, preach the gospel among my children. The accent of his voice We love you, Lord Jesus. You're faithful, Lord Jesus. You're kind, Lord Jesus. You guys, his voice is still calling us today. Now, something happens when you begin to go with God and you begin to serve where God is serving. We're gonna continue our, our kind of preach this morning on giving, but we're not gonna talk about giving money. We're gonna talk about giving your life. Giving your life to Jesus. When you guys flip with me to uh, Romans chapter 10 and also to John chapter 4, I'll be reading from these portions of Scripture. Um, how many of you guys know the vision here of this church is encountering God together, equipping powerful people, and transforming culture with the love of Jesus? What we did for the past hour was we encountered God together. I love that word that our sister brought, Kristen, right? You brought that word, just, just that God, what is it? He repurposes your pain. That's powerful. That's like a whole, like, 50-minute message wrapped up into, like, a three-minute nugget. Like, that was epic. I love that. But I want to focus on, uh, this morning, equipping powerful people. That's part of our vision. I'm going to put on kind of my equipper hat. I'm going to be teaching you guys what it looks like to share your faith. So go with me to John chapter 4. We're just going to read some of these verses together. I'm going to share some stories, and then we're going to see where the plane lands. Um, Lord Jesus, help. (laughs) go to um, John chapter 4. I just got back from Australia um, while we were there. Just saw incredible things. Um, uh, Young guy, I think he's about 35, 36 years old, uh, that I went to Bible college with. God spoke to him to rent out a stadium in Melbourne, Australia, which is a city not known for uh, the Christian faith the way that it's about to be. And uh, they rented out a stadium and they put on an event. And every single day over the period of about five or six days, they sent hundreds of people. And then in the stadium, they actually sent thousands of people to the streets to preach the gospel. People were on uh, trains, open air preaching. People were on street corners, open air preaching. Children were sharing the gospel. People of age were sharing the gospel. All different ages, groups, ethnicities, people coming to this city of Melbourne, Australia to share the gospel. Not just to hear the gospel, but to be the gospel. Um, I heard it said one time, uh, preach the gospel, but sometimes use words. Uh, That that quote is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. The only problem is he never said that. Did you know that he never said that? Do you know that's a myth? Did you know you can't preach the gospel without words? Did you know that an unpreached gospel is an unheard gospel? Did you know that an unpreached gospel is an unrealized gospel? I'm going I'm to get there in a minute. But um, God did incredible things through the week. We saw outstanding miracles on the streets, people getting healed of scoliosis, people weeping, giving their lives to Jesus. Um, even on the beaches, there was open-air preaching on the beaches, and people were like, I want to give my life to Jesus. Uh, one wild testimony that I just thought was a trip was we were out on a street corner preaching the gospel, and the next day I was driving my car about 15 minutes away from the downtown of the city. 
I felt like the Lord told me to stay in a hotel about 15 minutes away by the beach. I like the beach, but I was there by the beach. I get out of my hotel. I get in my car. I'm driving down the road. I see this group of school children, and I feel this tug in my stomach to turn my car around to make like, I don't know if it was an illegal U-turn because I don't know the rules in Australia. If the solid line is no U-turn or the dotted line's U-turn, I don't know. So if I broke the law, I apologize. But I felt this tug, and I was kind of wrestling like, I don't know if I should turn around. Then I was like, you know what? If I don't turn around, I'm going to regret it. How many of us live our whole lives in regret? When God has plans and purposes for us to step into, I turned my car around, I did a little U-turn, I pulled the car over, and at the risk of looking really weird and really crazy, I rolled down my window to this group of school children, and I said, hey, you guys, has anybody told you that Jesus loves you today? And all these kids just look at me, and their eyes go wide like this, and they said, no, nobody's told us today. You know, you can ask people that. You can ask people if anybody's told them that Jesus loves them today. Did you know how many people walk around their days thinking about ending their life, thinking about the end, thinking about loneliness, thinking about depression, and all they're waiting for is a word from heaven, and the word from heaven's in you, and his name's Jesus. And that word came out of me, and these kids, they just looked at me. One of the kids goes, You were downtown yesterday on a street corner in front of the National Library yelling about Jesus. I said, yeah. I was thinking to myself, what was this kid doing on a school day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon downtown 15 minutes away from where he is now? No car. I pointed out to him. I said, don't you think it's weird that two days in a row you would be hearing the same message from the same person 15, 20 minutes from you see, God's chasing people down. I asked, I said, does anybody of you, any of you want to meet Jesus today? And this one girl goes, I do. They ended up getting pulled away right then to go on their bus. But it's interesting. God will answer that prayer. Jesus, we just thank you for touching that young girl. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Let's, let's just read John chapter 4. Uh, One more testimony. Um, Yeah, I'll just read first. Therefore, when the Lord knew... God keeps interrupting me. (laughs) Um, One of the days I was there downtown, I was by myself, um, and I was just kind of walking through the city, and I kind of felt drawn to this bench. So I just sat down on this bench, and this guy came up, and um, he was on a cigarette break. His name was John. And uh, he sat down next to me, and we just started chatting. And he asked me why I was in Melbourne. And I said, I'm here to share the gospel with people. And he started asking me questions. He says, how do I talk to God? Isn't that wild? How do I talk to God? Within a period of 10, 15 minutes, John's praying with me to receive Jesus on his cigarette break, feeling the presence of God. You see, God's actually preparing people for us. This is where the story leads us in John chapter 4. God is preparing people. Let's read John chapter four, starting in verse one. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went out again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. 
for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst kind of set the stage for you guys. This woman comes out to this well about the sixth hour of the day. That's 12 o'clock noon, the hottest time of the day. Why was this woman coming out to this well at the hottest time of the day? Probably because she didn't want to come out when other people were there. Jesus says to her, I want to give you something even better than what you're looking for. You're thirsting for something natural. I'm going to show you something spiritual. You see, the whole world is thirsting, hungering, longing for a king like Jesus. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. The water that I give him will become in him a well of water spring up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. It's interesting. I don't know the tone of voice of this woman. Maybe she's being sarcastic with Jesus. She's like, what is this guy talking about? Sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty to drink. I don't know. We don't have the tone here. But you get to insert yourself into the situation and see what the Spirit would show you through these scriptures. The woman answered and said, I, so the woman said to him, sir, give me this water. I'll not be thirsty. I've come all the way here to draw. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have said correctly, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Isn't that interesting? Jesus gave this woman one bit of supernatural knowledge. 
You've had five husbands before, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. He didn't say it in shame. He didn't unveil her brokenness to her to shame her and say there was something wrong with her. He simply was getting her attention. I went to a meeting one time. Um, I got invited there by uh, Jessica. At the time was Edwards, now it's Skinner, and uh, her brother. And at the end of the meeting, this evangelist shared, and he, he told me things about my life that I couldn't naturally know. And it got my attention. And that became a catalytic moment for me in my journey to wholeness in following Jesus. It's interesting that one simple word of knowledge became the pathway to this woman saying, could this be the Christ? Became the pathway to this woman becoming an evangelist to her whole region. One simple supernatural insight. Come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know not about or that you do not know of. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. Going to an event like I did in Australia, you see an acceleration of harvest. You see things happen in a few days that sometimes take multiple weeks or years. Why? Because everyone at this event was tasked with a single purpose, preach the gospel. I am convinced that if we as the church would simply preach the gospel, whole cities would be saved. I said that in a meeting one time, and this person in the back of the room stood up screaming in a demonic voice saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. I said, if we would simply preach the gospel, whole cities would get saved. So I was like, oh, that must be a good point. (laughs) It was wild watching God just do things so quickly. There was a a story while we were there of a woman, and she was trying to take her own life. She went up to a bridge to jump off a bridge, and some of the outreach team found her and grabbed her off the bridge and began to sing over her reckless love and began to speak over her the truth of God begin to pray with her until the police came and carted her away. It's really interesting because this is, this is sad but also hilarious because of the outcome. The outcome's hilarious. The next day, this woman goes back to another bridge and tries to take her life again, except the outreach team found her again and pulled her off of the bridge and shared the gospel with her again. By the end of the week... I saw pictures of her getting baptized at a baptism where about three, four hundred people were present at the beach, an open baptism, giving her life to Jesus. All around us right now are people who are living for themselves, who are living for brokenness and have found the end of this life and have found purposelessness and hopelessness and hope and purpose lives inside of us.
I'm sharing this message not to like shame anyone, not to like like push anyone. I'm sharing this because 90% of Christians are missing out on the fun. What do I mean by that? 90% of Christians have never led anyone to Christ. 90% of Christians have never led someone to Christ. So I'm putting the quipper hat on today. I'm going to teach you how to lead people to Jesus. And you're going to leave this room equipped and powerful, and you're going to leave this room knowing that you have something to give people, something clear, something recognizable, something purposeful, your testimony and the message of salvation. Let's do it. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm just going to blow my nose real quick. I apologize for that. Pastor Jesse, you want to sing a song while I blow my nose? Is that okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is getting really good. I love when Reagan was sharing. Um, at the event, it was wild. They had a girl that was about 9, 10 years old get up and lead worship for about 15,000 people. It was radical. It was radical. It was fire. Because family is the vehicle for revival. I love when you were sharing and just your kids came up here. I was like, that's really cool. They want to preach too. A little child will lead them is what scripture says. It's amazing. Romans chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let me back up. In um, the story in John chapter 4, Jesus said these words. He says, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. Some of us in this room feel bored with Christianity and bored with church because God is calling you to make church happen everywhere you go. Some of you in this room are like, I'm just so bored. Church is just so boring. Yeah, that's because there's an adventure for you out there. Jesus said, my will is to do, my desire, my food is to do the will of my Father who sent me. Literally, that which sustained him was doing the will of God. Well, Chris, I'm just not fed at church. I hear you. That's because your food's out there. Uh, There was a church here in Orange County, and somebody came to the pastor and says, you guys always talk about miracles and always talk about this kind of stuff. Where's the meat? You know what his answer was? He said, the meat is in the streets. That's what Jesus literally said there. He's quoting the Bible. It says, my meat, in the King James Version, is to do the will of my Father who sent me. My meat. But Chris, you don't know what I'm going through. You guys, if you're sitting in this room and you know Jesus, you have so much to give away. If you're sitting in this room and you know Jesus, you are richer than the richest person on planet Earth. But Chris, you don't know what I wake up to every day. 
I know what people are waking up to out there. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 5 in Romans chapter 10, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. You don't have to ascend into heaven to bring Christ down. Christ has already come down. You see, the new age says... Let's find this like spirituality out there. Let's, let's ascend to a higher realm. Let's find the wisdom. See, the new age says that Christ is great, but so is Buddha, so is Muhammad, so is whoever else. The only problem is Muhammad's dead, Buddha's dead, Jesus is alive. Yes, Muhammad is dead. I don't, I don't mind saying that. Everyone in that faith would agree with me. He's dead. Jesus Christ is alive, resurrected from the dead. Here today, speaking to your heart. But who would say, descend down into the abyss? What is, what is he saying? What is the writer of Romans saying? He's saying that you don't have to look down there for Jesus. But what does it say? The word is near to you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is Lord. Now, if you have a hard time saying that, it might be because he's not the Lord of your life. There's salvation in no other name. Do you know that we come to Jesus empty-handed? The story of the Samaritans versus the Jews that's in John chapter 4 is a story of worship the way we want it versus worship the way God ordained it. The Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim. It was the mountain where God pronounced blessing over Israel. It was the mountain where God spoke to his people in Deuteronomy 28 the things that he had planned for them to prosper them. But unfortunately, our faith is not just about what God can do for us. See, the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim, the place where God announced blessing. But the Jews worshipped on Mount Moriah, the place where Abraham was called to lay down the thing that he loved the most. Isaac, his son. The same place that Jesus Christ was to be crucified. The same place where utter dependence upon God was announced. Not worship the way we want it for what we can get from it. You see, worship doesn't even begin until our eyes are off of ourselves. I'm going to say that again because we didn't all catch it. Worship doesn't even begin until our eyes are off of ourselves. But see, when your eyes are off of yourself and are upon the one whose eyes are upon you, then things begin to be transformed inside of you because his plans and purposes are for your benefit. It's easy to follow someone who's already completely committed themselves to you. Greater love is no one than this than he who laid down his life for his friends. What has Jesus done for us? 
See, many of us, we want to worship a God who can just give us the things that we want instead of following a God who gave everything for us already. That's the difference between the Samaritan worship system and the Jewish worship system. Is that okay? I've just been studying that lately. I just wanted to throw that out there, give you a little freebie. If you confess with your mouth, verse 9, Romans chapter 10, the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be whole or saved. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be made whole. You will be made whole. For it is with the mouth that one confesses unto salvation, with the heart that one believes unto righteousness. What does that mean? It means if you believe that Jesus became your sin on the cross, that means your sins no longer have sway in your life. Your pain gets repurposed. If you believe that Jesus Christ became your sin on the cross, then you're no longer bound to dysfunction. You're no longer bound to the cycles of brokenness of this world. You are now a new creature. But Chris, I don't feel like a new creature. Guess what? Your feelings don't dictate the truth. Jesus said, I'm looking for worshipers in spirit and in truth, John 4, 23. What does that mean? What does that mean? You ever wonder what that means? When I think of spirit, I think of motive and I think of momentum. Let me explain that. Let me unpack that a little bit for you. Motive, the reason why we do things. Momentum, the love of God being sown into the earth that we follow. Why does it say in 1 Corinthians 14 to pursue love? Because love is moving. Love is going. We're singing that song, I just want to be where you are. As I was singing that song, I was thinking about the people out there that are dying. I wasn't thinking about Jesus up in heaven. I was thinking about him going towards those people. I just want to be where you are. Some of you in this room, you feel bored because God's called you out there. Some of you in this room, God's called you to missions. God's called you to evangelism. You know, the evangelist's job isn't to win the lost. It's to equip the saints to win the lost. How many of you have led someone to Christ before? Just raise your hand really quick. Okay, wow, that's amazing. Praise God. Guess what? This year you're going to lead more people to Jesus than you ever have before. (laughs) For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. One version says, will not be disappointed. Another, I'm going to put it in the Chris version. The Chris version says, will not live in regret. Do you know why people cry when they get to heaven? It says that every tear will be wiped away. Because we'll see how much was actually possible because of what he did. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. What does that mean? That literally means we look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We look at people and we say, oh, they're not ready for the gospel. God doesn't look at the outward condition. He looks at the power of the seed which he sent. 
You see, a farmer, when they sow a seed in soil, they don't go around digging up the seed every other day to see if it's working. They recognize the power of the seed sown. If we would simply sow the seed, we would see the return. We look at that parable of the sower and we look at these different conditions of the heart. I believe the parable is more about the power of the seed than it is about the power of the soil. I believe the seed affects the soil more than the soil affects the seed. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from sin, dysfunction, sickness, disease, poverty, oppression. Jesus said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, those things don't exist. Some of us in this room, we're like, but I've got these things in my life, Chris. Yes, if we would simply focus on the power of the seed and get consumed with the power of the seed, we would find those things bowing to the power of the seed. But if you're in this room and you know Jesus, you have a one-up on everyone that doesn't because you are going to spend eternity in heaven with God. Heaven and hell are both very real places. Some of us in this room are like, oh, I don't really know if I even believe in hell. I wasn't sure if I believed in hell until God showed me. Ask him to show you. Is this okay? So how do you share your faith? I love to ask people questions. I love to walk up to people and say, has anybody told you that Jesus loves you today? Most of the time people will say, no, they haven't, and they'll begin to engage with you. Some of you in this room are like, well, I don't know if people will listen to me. You know if you expect people to listen to you, they will. If you expect a harvest, you'll reap one. If you expect rejection, but if you expect a harvest, you'll reap one. What's the difference between somebody that leads a lot of people to Jesus and somebody that doesn't? Somebody that leads a lot of people to Jesus talks to people about Jesus. But Chris, you don't understand where I work. You don't understand my workplace. You guys, we live in a country where you can share your faith with people. We live in a country where no one's going to kill you for sharing your faith. I've been to the countries where people kill people for sharing about their faith. And guess what? God protects you. But Chris, what about those people that aren't protected or that the people that die? Yeah, they're celebrating in heaven. They're not too bummed out about the situation. Some of us here, you'd rather go overseas to preach the gospel, but God's actually called you to Orange County. I like to ask people questions. Has anybody told you about the good news of Jesus? You'd be amazed how many times people tell me no. We live in a generation of people that are unsaturated, that have literally never heard the good news. We live in a generation where people have departed the church in such great numbers that their generations out away from the good news. But guess what that means? That means that they're not inoculated to the real thing. They're not bound by religion. They're longing for you to come share with them. I want to take a a few minutes and I want to practice this. I want to practice this with each other. 
Why am I going to do this? Because this is practice for you to get used to doing this every day. Sharing the gospel is not for evangelists. It's for people. All people. Every single one of us. You can reach people that Pastor Jesse, Pastor Nicole, Chris, Tim, Jay, anyone else here could never reach because you go to environments where they don't go and you shine as a light. You shine as a light. You say, Chris, but you don't get it. I got all this stuff going on in my life. Uh, Yesterday, I was sharing with my wife just some things going on. We're just processing some things. I wasn't feeling too good. I'm at a store and all of a sudden, someone comes up to me and they go, Pastor Chris, oh my gosh, I've been praying that I would get to see you. Could you please pray for me? It's amazing how quick your eyes go off of your issues in life when someone comes up to you in a place of need. All around you is need. All around you is poverty of soul and spirit. And you are filled with bounty. Why don't you guys just stand to your feet? We're just gonna take a few minutes and practice this. Um... I want you to, maybe if you're in the first row, I'm going to have you pair up with people in the second row, then the third row with the fourth row, the fifth row with the sixth row, and uh, if, if you make it to the back of the room, I want you to get with people you do not know right now. Get with people you do not know. Take a few seconds, say hi to them. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shush you in just a second. I'm going to give you some instruction. All right. All right, I'm going to shush you guys real quick. I'm going to give you some instruction. We need to be ready with our testimony at all times. We need to be used to sharing our testimony in about 30 seconds. I share my testimony like this all the time. I say to people, I say, I was an addict. My worst addiction was I was addicted to me. Jesus came into my life when I was my darkest and shone his light bright. He rescued me in the middle of the night. I wept for two days. I got delivered of oppression. I got filled with his presence and I got filled with joy. My life's never been the same ever since. I saw that he died on the cross, not just for other people, but for me. And I decided that I had to follow someone that would would lay down their life for me like that. That right there, I just shared my testimony about 25 seconds. I want you to take... Before, I'm going to just give you two instructions. I want you to take the next two minutes and share your testimony, 30 seconds each, back and forth with each other. And then I want you to ask that person, would you like to receive Jesus today? Would you like to follow Jesus? Now, many of you in this room already are following Jesus, but some of you actually are about to have a moment. You're about to have a moment. God actually brought you to this church to hear the good news today. Some of you are like, but I want to run out of here right now. Do you know what that feeling is? That feeling is the fear of Satan about you stepping into your purpose. It is the fear of the devil. So you're going to share your testimony, and then you're going to ask the question. You see, many of us are afraid to ask the question, but if we don't ask the question, we'll never actually get the answer we're longing for. Would you like to follow Jesus? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's that simple. Well, Chris, but can it really be that simple? Yes, it can. People go to the altar and they begin to follow. And then you get to walk with them in that relationship. You get to refer them to come to a place like this or many of the other churches or or known and loved or any place that God is doing great things. 
and show them these places where they can grow in the word. So take the next two, three minutes. Go ahead and do that, and then we'll pray at the end, okay? Go ahead. How was that? Was that awesome? Was that cool? How many of you guys, like, that was pretty cool to just share your testimony really fast with somebody? Just wave at me. Just want to see. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? How many of you guys think you could just do that at your workplace? How many of you guys think you could do that? I want to hear the testimonies. Go to our Facebook page and share. I honestly believe many of you are going to lead people to Christ this week. You're going to find people weeping in your arms. You're going to find people getting healed. I'm just going to read these few verses and pray for you. Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How are people gonna hear unless you preach? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word heard. If people don't hear, they'll never have an opportunity to believe. You know him. You get to give him away. Mark 16, 20, it says this, and the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord went with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders. Some of us are longing for power and signs and miracles, and the power and signs and miracles are gonna happen as you go. I just want to pray for you guys really quick. Just stand to your feet. One of the times that we were preaching in the street in Australia, about 30 or 40 people gathered, and suddenly the fragrance of roses hit the crowd. Supernatural. We're on a bridge on a day in downtown Melbourne, and a supernatural fragrance hit the crowd, and teenagers, I asked, I said, how many of you guys can smell that? And the kids started raising their hands. You see, signs and wonders happen as we go. And signs and wonders give witness not to us, but to Christ. I'm gonna pray right now. Just hold your hands. I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna baptize people with power for boldness and power for the gospel. Holy Spirit, I thank you for ministering your presence right now. I thank you for boldness coming on people all over this room. God, I thank you for angels going with people confirming the word, lining up situations, lining up circumstances for people to come home. God, we thank you so much for your presence that's here. God, we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with people. God, that people's eternities are gonna be affected even this week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Wow. I was just telling Chris uh, during our activation time, like, how cool that was. Like, how many of you guys have ever been told, turn around and share your testimony with somebody? I'm sure a lot of you guys have, but I, but I never have. And, um, so this was just brilliant. Um, you know, I was telling him, it's just like prophecy. The more you ask God for a word for somebody, the more you have faith that it works. The more, the, the more you have faith. God doesn't get better at prophecy, right? Um, but we get better because we trust him. We trust that the seed of prophecy will produce um, fruit. And the more you practice sharing your faith, um, the more you practice speaking out, um, the more you're going to trust that seed. Because it's not your ability to, to, to change anybody's life. It's not. Um, 
I want to share a quick testimony. I was thinking about it, so I want to share it. One thing I, I love to, one way I practice, because um, I still need to practice, because I, I, sometimes I just got to be intentional. We'll drive um, into a gated community um, probably at least once or twice a week, and, and I know a bunch of the gate guards now. And I will literally tell them, almost, almost every time we drive through, I will say, hey. And they'll say, hi. You know, they want to scan my card. And I'm like, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? And, um, and one guy says, no, not today. And I mean, I'm the first? And he goes, yeah. And so then I say, well, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. And, and I can't tell how many times they, just, they, they want me to just keep chatting with them about this purpose for their life. And, and they're, they're hungry. People are hungry. This one lady, she's like, she's like, oh, yeah, my mom told me this morning. <laughs> and I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes I'll drive through and it's someone new and I'll get afraid of like, what am I going to, am I going to say it? Or am I not going to say it? And then I just, I say, you know what? I've gotten, I've, I'm just, I've trusted the seed too much to not speak up anymore. And so I just want to encourage you guys. It, it just, it becomes easier the more you just trust his ability to work through you. And, and you don't have to do it the way the person next to you does it. You can do it the way you do it. Then any, it's like one of my mentors used to say, hey, can I tell you Jesus loves you? No, you can't. Too late. <laughs> Too late. The seed's been planted. So um, can we get our prayer team up here? Um, I'm not going to pray for us again because Chris already did an incredible job. Um, have an incredible weekend. Um, we're going to um, we're gonna, oh, we have the healing, hearing from God class right after that, in like three minutes in the middle of the room over there. Um, so if you need prayer at all for anything, come on up, get some prayer. We have amazing leaders up here. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church. 